Hi everybody, Jimmy DeYoung, and welcome to Prophecy Today. I need 90 minutes. We want to go around the world talking with our broadcast partners. They're going to give us insight into current events. Remember the banner over my website, looking at current events in light of biblical prophecy. And that's what we're going to endeavor to do for the next 90 minutes. So glad you could join us. Keep the dial set right where it is. A lot of very important conversations. I'm going to have one with David James in the last half hour. And we're going to find out, can a Christian denounce Christianity and become a non-Christian? Or do we have eternal life when we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? By the way, the voice is a little bit raspy, and I've just returned from a great time up in New Hampshire. I was there at the Alton Bay Christian Conference Center. Brad Smith and all the gang made Judy and I just feel so much at home. The people were so eager to study the Word of God. Boy, they had the best ice cream up there in New Hampshire. Right now, we're going to bring Ken Timmerman to the broadcast table. Ken covers geopolitical activities for us. He's a traveler. He's traveled all over the world. He's an author. He's a journalist. He's everything, and he's one of our broadcast partners. We're so thrilled to have him. Ken, there is a report out from somewhat of a military expert, or so he calls himself. He says that the Palestinians are a greater threat to the Jewish state of Israel than the Iranians. Now, we're always talking about Iran here. How would your evaluation of that statement come out? Well, you know, this is a matter of opinion, Jimmy, and there have been for decades people who have made this argument that the demographic threat of the Palestinians is greater than any military threat that Israel faces. But the Palestinians do not, in my opinion, are not an existential threat to the state of Israel for one simple reason. They have no military capability that would allow them to breach Israel's defenses, and they no longer have the backing of powerful countries behind them. They have Iran behind them. So the Palestinians are important in my view, insofar as they play into Iran's long-term plan to annihilate the state of Israel. But in and of themselves, I am less worried about this notion that the Palestinian demography and because of their uh, presence, their you know, next store to Israel, that they will overwhelm them. Now, this said, there is uh, one thing that I think is very important in this analysis by a, uh, my good friends at the Middle East Forum, run by Dan Pipes, uh, and that is, they argue that victory in war does not come when one side declares victory. It comes when the other side admits defeat. And that is so true in the Middle East conflict. The Palestinians have never admitted defeat. And that is why it, this conflict perpetually erupts into military uh, action every couple of years. You know, I feel pretty good because I read that article and I basically came out with the same analysis that you have just given us. And one of the reasons I said that is because I think uh, the Hamas organization, the Palestinian military force, it would be a proxy of Iran, so that's giving them the strength that they need to be a major player in this whole thing. And I know what Bible prophecy says, they're going to be around for the entire seven-year tribulation period before the Lord allows them to destroy the Palestinians 
the one last battle the Israeli Defense Force is going to have. Well, we talked uh, last week about Tayyip Erdogan. Rumor was that he was dead. And uh, the fact is that uh, you reminded us that he had made a speech. And one of those speeches, he said this. He said, whoever is on Israel's side, we're against. Now, I'm not sure if we have the absolute proof he's still alive and well, uh, but uh, somehow somebody's promoting the fact of what he would say, and they're reporting it to the world. Well, I think he, he has made uh, TV appearances, Jimmy, from what I understand, but they're mainly inside you know, his own party meetings. This was supposed to be a statement he made to the ruling AKP party in Ankara last week. But, you know, for anybody who thinks that Turkey is still a member of NATO, oh, yes, they are a member of NATO. They still belong to the alliance. But if anybody believes that they behave as a member of NATO, they should just listen to this statement from Erdogan this past week. Whoever is on Israel's side, he said, and this is a quote, we are against them. I mean, that's a pretty dramatic statement. And that obviously encompasses the United States. It encompasses most of the European countries, even though they are not very pro-Israel. They are on Israel's side in the sense that they do not accept the promotion of the eradication of the state of Israel. They, they, they don't put up with that. You know, some of them pay lip service to the BDS movement. It's true. But still, you cannot say that the European powers yet are against Israel. It's coming but not yet. So this is a very strong statement, I think, uh, from Erdogan, and it clearly shows he is no longer uh, a member of the Western alliance in any way. Well, and in fact, I read another article that said Turkey has adopted Euro-Asianism. Now, explain that word, and what does it all mean, and is it dangerous? Well, uh, yes, it is dangerous. And, and what it essentially means is that Turkey has slammed the door on Europe. Uh, actually, Europe slammed the door on them, uh, a decade ago, but, you know, Turkey is now reciprocated. Turkey slammed the door in Europe, and they're moving towards China and Russia, the Asian powers against Israel and against the Western powers. You see them, their alliance with Syria. You know, they've held military exercises with Syria. You see their alliance with Iran, where they jointly combat the Kurds. You see the fact that they have bought S-400 missiles from Russia and given up on getting our latest fighter, the F-35, from the United States, because that was the price. We cut them off from that technology once they took the S-400. Turkey is throwing itself into the embrace of China, uh, Russia, and Iran, rather than a Western alliance. So, yes, it is dangerous, and I believe that they feel that military alliance is also part of their eschatology. I think Tayyip Erdogan sees himself as the leader of the future caliphate, and that future caliphate's goal is to eradicate the state of Israel. By the way, folks, in Bible prophecy, Ezekiel 38, verses 2 and 6, Meshach, Tubal, Gomer, and Tagarma, that would be modern-day Turkey. So they are going to be a major player in the end times. Ken Israel launched this last week a couple of attacks on Iran where they are in Iraq. Now, what in the world is Israel want to do with Iraq, except for the fact that Iran is a major player there in that war-torn country. Well, this is a major escalation in the conflict in the Middle East, in Syria and in Iraq. It shows that the Israelis uh, increasingly feel competent of their military superiority. The reports I've seen suggested that they used F-16s for these 
attacks on Iranian bases inside Iraq. But uh, the Israelis recently took delivery of the F-35 stealth fighter from the United States, and there have been some rumors that they've been using that in uh, recent airstrikes against Iranian assets. Uh, look, I, I think this is very, very significant. This is the second attack against Iranian military bases in Iraq of the past three weeks. Israel has never done this before. They've combined, confined their bomb bombing raids against Iranian targets in Syria. But now they are in Iraq, and I think what they're trying to do is to push the Iraqi government to sever its ties to Iran by showing them that they will pay a price for this, a military price. Reportedly, 40 people died in this latest attack. Now, before we shed any tears on that, uh, the attack was on a missile base run by the Badr Brigade. The Badr Brigade is an Iraqi militia set up by Iran, financed by Iran, controlled by Iran, even staffed by Iranian Revolutionary Guards officers. So if they lost 40 militants or uh, officers from the IRGC, the Islamic Revolutionary Guards Corps, in that attack, uh, you're not going to see me shedding tears. Absolutely. I'm with you, buddy. Hey, uh, let me remind everybody that uh, the president, Donald Trump, is eager to make his plan for the Middle East, a peace plan, come about. I don't know that he's going to be able to before, in fact, he starts campaigning for 2020. However, he's sending his son-in-law to the Middle East. In fact, Jared Kushner just came in to visit in uh, Israel this last week. Prior to that, the Jordanians and the Egyptians, these leaders, got together to discuss the Israeli peace plan. Now, what were they talking about? They're the closest, except for Syria in the north. You've got Jordan on the eastern border, the entire long border of Israel, and then you have uh, the Egyptians there in the southern border. They're getting together. I don't know if they really appreciate the Trump peace plan. Do you have any idea about that? Well, I think they do, Jimmy, uh, in, in, a, in a very realistic way. Jordan's King Abdullah is a realist. He's He's somebody who has his pulse on the ground. Uh, remember, his country, Jordan, is majority Palestinian. Uh, so he's very worried about uh, the pressure that he might be under from the Palestinians. At the same time, he also realizes he must deliver prosperity to his people, and that prosperity for the Palestinians in Jordan could trump, if you'll excuse the pun, <laughs> yeah. uh, any, any uh, fear that he might have of Hamas or the PLO going after him. So I think what he's doing with al-Sisi is looking at the, the economic benefits of this peace plan. Remember, uh, Kushner has been talking about $50 billion being invested by some of the Gulf countries, uh, not just in the Palestinian areas, but in the region, and that would include Jordan. So I think that's what they're looking at. They're, they're trying to weigh the advantages of that economic boon that will come from this peace plan as compared to the risks that they might face from Iranian-backed Palestinian terrorism. That does sound like a peace plan that a businessman would put together. Well, we'll stay on top of that story with Ken Timmerman. He's the man who covers the entire world of geopolitical activities happening today, seemingly setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Ken, thank you so very much for being available and being so effective in communicating information we need to have. We'll talk again next week. Thanks so much to me. God bless. We're going to take a break. A Middle East news update upcoming. David Dolan standing by. All ahead right here on Prophecy Today.
Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible prophecy student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. Prophecy Today is heard all across the USA on the Prophecy Today radio network, but also it is heard around the world through our website at prophecytoday.com. And Jay, there are many other features on our prophecytoday.com website, like daily news updated out of the Middle East as it pertains to what's happening prophetically. Special reports can be heard right on our website at prophecytoday.com. We have Prophecy Q&A available for you. Questions asked in the past can be answered on the website if you just check it out and go to that particular spot. Prophecy Quiz is available, and parts of our Prophecy Today program, if you should miss any part of it, will be heard the next week right here at prophecytoday.com. And don't forget, you can even email your questions to us for our live radio broadcast. Just go to our website at prophecytoday.com. You'll be amazed, you'll be surprised at what you'll find on our website. Be sure to visit us at prophecytoday.com on the World Wide Web. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. We're into our second segment in this first half hour. Now remember, I've asked you for 90 minutes. I hope you can give us all of that because our broadcast partners have some great information. We're going to now talk with David Dolan. He has a Middle East news update par excellence. There's nobody, really, that can give a Middle East news update like David Dolan. Longtime friend of us here at Prophecy Today and me personally. We've gone into the Middle East, traveled over to Jordan, went to Petra one time. I think I'm the first guy to take David to Petra. So we had a great time there. David, I've got a number of items I want to cover with you if we can. Number one, Syria is claiming that Israel, the Israeli Defense Force, struck Kenetra, which is, of course, you know, and I know both of us well, that uh, Kenetra is just right there above the northern border in Syria of the state of Israel, just above their border. They have a right. If they're firing from over there in Kenetra into Israel, they're going to have to go after them, aren't they? Well, yes, indeed, Jimmy, and uh, that did take place. The Israelis spoke about it. They don't always comment on these reports, but they did this one. It's the same area where over the past few weeks there's been military action. This is about the third or fourth time that Israel has struck in that area, and that is because Hezbollah and Iran are returning their forces to that border area after Russia succeeded uh, with U.S cooperation or pressure, I should say, 
Russia succeeded in getting most of them pulled to the north, about oh, 40 miles to the north. But now that the Syrian forces are so involved in the Idlib province fighting in the northwest of Syria, which, by the way, a ceasefire has just been declared, but we'll see if that holds up there, the Syrians are preoccupied, and the Russians as well in the north, and therefore Hezbollah and Iran are taking advantage of that to strengthen their positions right along the Golan Heights border. The Israelis are saying we won't tolerate that. It's too important for us to keep that area calm. And there was not only that to strike, but there were more military exercises up in the north this week, all in anticipation of a possible full war. And also a report from the Israeli Defense Force that back last month in July, uh, the Israeli Defense Force struck a couple of airstrikes there in Iraq going after Iran. Man, they're expanding their outreach, aren't they? Well, again, Jimmy, that comes after very strong intelligence reports that Iran has been massing forces in the uh, Shiite areas of Iraq that it more or less rules, uh, indirectly rules in a way. And the uh, pro-Iranian militias there have been given uh, new weapons. And, in fact, they say that uh, surface-to-surface missiles are being brought into Iraq. Now, that, of course, is closer to Israel than from Iran itself. So it shaves a couple hundred miles off of the distance that these things would have to fly in a war. So, yes, indeed, Israelis have not confirmed these reports, Jimmy, but we have. Certainly somebody has gone up and twice attacked these pro-Iranian positions. And, in fact, Iran did say after the last one that a senior Iranian military official was killed in that uh, attack, uh, just admitting, basically, that they are there. And one of the Israeli newspapers said, well, you know, you just gave up the game there because we're maintaining your beefing up these forces. You just confirmed that is the case. Is that the main reason that uh, the IDF is going into Iraq, just the Iranians and the influence they have there on that war-torn country? It's the main reason, Jimmy. It, of course, also serves to remind the government of Iraq that Israel's there and that if they continue to allow Iran to strengthen its positions throughout that country, that that they're within reach of the IDF. So that is part of it. But it's, Jimmy, this northern road that uh, the Iranians have opened up successfully over the past few years where they're able to, by land, bring in weapons all the way to Lebanon, to the Mediterranean Mm -hmm. coast, through Iraq and through Syria, of course, disintegrated as it's been. Uh, This is a very serious concern to the Israelis indeed, and it's bad enough that they were flying in uh, weapons and uh, men and this sort of thing, but now that they can come overland basically freely, uh, it is a problem, and the Israelis are reminding Iran that uh, we're watching and we're able to interdict uh, these uh, supplies and men. Yes, absolutely, and you know that's a very key avenue for them to get from Iran over to the Mediterranean, but they can go south into Israel very quickly that way. Well, the Israeli Defense Force, again, telling everybody that's an enemy, hey, be aware of who we are and what we can do. In fact, one official in the IDF said the next Gaza war will be short, but it's going to be a a massive blow to the Hamas organization. And is that possible that could come in the very near future? Well, in fact, you're referring to the Chief of Staff, General uh, Kohavi. He said that at any moment we could be at war there. And that 
comment came after four days of um, maneuvers around the Gaza Strip, the largest that Israel has held actually in five years since there was fighting there. And it involved tanks, it involved aircraft, it involved naval forces, coordinated assaults, and it was, of course, just a test, but a very advanced test. And as soon as that was over, a couple hours later, a Hamas terrorist infiltrated across the Gaza border fence. He was on his way to a nearby Israeli community. Apparently, he had hand grenades. He had a Kalashnikov rifle, Mm. apparently, on his way to kill people. And he was shot dead, but only after he shot and seriously wounded an Israeli army commander and two soldiers were more lightly wounded in that exchange. And as a result, the Israelis fired tank shells into the Gaza Strip and other reports not confirmed by Israel said aircraft and naval vessels in the south of the Gaza Strip also responded down there at at a few Hamas targets just to remind them we're here and we're ready. But indeed, we talked about the committee that went over from Hamas to Iran. Salah Aruri heading that. They've returned back to the Gaza Strip, basically confirming that their alliance with Iran is as strong as ever, that they will fight with Iran. And uh, by the way, General Kohavi, the chief of staff of Israel's forces, said that this is part of a two-stage war. They uh, held the exercises as if a good portion of the military was not available for the Gaza front, but was fighting up in the north against Hezbollah, Syria, Iran, etc. So that was the aim, was to test how well they can do with uh, over half of their forces fighting somewhere else. And Kohavi said it came out pretty well. They feel they have a good plan, but it just stresses how difficult uh, the next war will probably be because it will be a multi-front war this time. I've heard some rumors, David, that uh, there is going to be a meeting there at Camp David in Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C., where Donald Trump will be meeting with the leadership of the Arab world. And they're going to be talking about his peace plan. Meanwhile, he's dispatched his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, to travel into the Middle East and invite all those guys personally. And I'm not sure that the meeting there at Camp David is on or not, but I do know Kushner has arrived in Israel. They're not going to ask Israel to that meeting. That's quite interesting. And do you think it's going to go anyplace, or is it dead in the water? Well, Jimmy, that was first reported by the Yediot Akronot Israeli paper midweek that this uh, summit was being planned. However, the White House quickly denied that. They said that a lot of things are being discussed, and apparently that is one of the things being considered, but that no actual uh, plan has been put forward. Now, Gerald Kirshner, you said, has been in the Middle East meeting with uh, King Abdullah and others, asking them, would you attend, would you be in favor of this? And uh, the reports are that, again, unconfirmed that there's been a lukewarm reception to that. We do know, in the meantime, that the United Arab Emirates has begun talks with Iran directly. The Saudis are hinting they may get into that. And the reports there are that they're disappointed that President Trump has not ordered more, uh, I should say, a stronger uh, military response to the various Iranian actions we've had over the past couple months attacking oil tankers and oil fields in Saudi Arabia, etc. So we don't know that that's the case, but we know the Arab world is looking at this peace plan. We're getting a little bit more detail, and the thing that seems to have been confirmed by the American ambassador to Israel, David Friedman, is that it will not include a 
Palestinian state. Some sort of Palestinian autonomy would be granted, but not an actual Palestinian state. Well, Palestinians have already rejected the plan completely, so many people are just wondering, is this just an all, all a show? Will anything come of it? And meanwhile, the prime minister and the military are preoccupied with Iran, with Hamas and with the possibility of war. So war and not uh, peace seems to be the likely result this year. Meanwhile, our old buddy Taya Erdogan over in Turkey, who many think may be dead, but uh, there's a report he made a statement in a speech this week, whoever is on Israel's side, we're against. What do you hear? No question in my mind, Jimmy, that Turkey will be with Israel's enemies in the next conflict and with Russia in alliance with Iran. That's sad reality because Turkey has a major military force, and of course they're a member of NATO, so that complicates matters considerably. Well, and in fact, uh, David is absolutely on target because that's what the Word of God says. Uh, Turkey's going to be a part of that coalition, that alignment of nations that will try to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. That's Bible prophecy. It is absolute. David, great report, man. We covered a lot of issues. Thank you so much. And we'll continue this on next week. Thank you. Thank you, Jimmy. God bless. Going to take a break right now. When we come back, I've got Dave Kessler. He's in the Washington, D.C. area. He's going to be talking about persecution of Christians here in America. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. In today's world, a biblical worldview and a proper understanding of biblical prophecy should be a priority. At a time when many false doctrines are entering the church at a frightening pace, we must be able to rightly divide God's Word in order to live a pure and productive life for Him. If you would like an in-depth understanding of biblical prophecy, let me challenge you to consider Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's School of Prophets. The School of Prophets is an online study for the layman or student pursuing a master's or doctorate degree. Dr. DeYoung's online study program will allow you to develop a timeline of biblical prophecies of the past, as well as future prophecies yet to be fulfilled. Your personal study of God's Word will only be enhanced by Dr. DeYoung's School of Prophets, and your life will be changed as you better understand, like Daniel, where you fit into God's calendar of events. If you're interested in developing a deeper understanding of God's prophetic Word, let me personally invite you to become involved in Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's School of Prophets. Call today at 8-PROPHECY-8. That's 877-674-3298. Or visit us at schoolofprophets.org. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung. Remember, I've asked you for 90 minutes. If you'll give me that, I'll give you the world, basically, because I have broadcasters all over the world, and they're going to be covering current events that seemingly are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Now, this is our second half hour, and we're going to find out what your moon IQ is. Do you know there's a black moon? Yeah, there's a blood moon. There's a blue moon. Well, we'll find out when I talk with Don DeYoung. He's an astronomer par excellence. I'm going to give you a little test and see how much you know about the moon. I love that moon. Every night when I walk, I look up and I just rejoice to see it up there, some portion of it throughout each and every month. In order to give me 90 minutes, you got to stay now for an hour. And when we talk with David James this week, we have a great conversation. Can you actually walk away from Christianity? There's a famous pastor and author who says he has kissed 
Christianity goodbye. You want to hear that conversation. It's in the last half hour, so keep the dial set right where it is. But right now, we're going to Dave Kistler, and David is connected with Washington, D.C., but actually he's connected with the world. He travels as an evangelist all across the world and has a key role in the American Pastors Network. When I ask him about those two ministries, and then we want to talk about Pastor Andrew Brunson. He was the man, the pastor, who was imprisoned in Turkey a couple of years there and then was able to be released from that. I want to see how that all happened as well. And he is now saying that after coming back to America, he believes America is on the edge of, especially the Christian community, of being persecuted. Now, we're not talking about the tribulation, but we'll find out from Dave in just a moment. Dave, thank you for being available. I know you have a busy schedule. Appreciate you giving me a few moments today. Dr. Jimmy, it is always a delight to be with you, whether you're on the radio program with us or whether I can be on with you, it's a delight. Well, thank you for joining us. Now, I said you have a ministry there in Washington. It's called Hope to the Hill, and your son, Nathan, works very closely with you on that particular ministry. Just give us a quick resume of what it's all about. Well, Nathan is actually our director of our Hope to the Hill ministry. We have a second staff member, Dr. George Roller, who for years was in charge of Dr. D. James Kennedy's ministry on Capitol Hill, but now he's working with us. But what we do is We minister to appointed and elected officials on Capitol Hill seven days a week, basically 24 hours a day we're on call. We share the gospel with them. We go in and pray with them. We try to challenge them to think biblically with respect to policy positions. And so it's been a a wonderful, wonderful journey and a wonderful opportunity to have an impact, we believe, not just on Capitol Hill, but by extension, literally, around the globe. Yes, amen. And I just wanted everybody to hear about that ministry so they can lift it in prayer as well. You're a key player in the American Pastors Network. Quickly tell us what that is. Well, I'm actually on the executive board of the American Pastors Network. It is the largest network of pastors within the United States of America. What we challenge pastors to do is be courageous enough to speak biblically with respect to all the issues that are facing our culture today. We have uh, state chapters in a number of states, not all 50 states, but a great number of states. And part of the Pastors Network is a radio program called Stand in the Gap Today, as well as a TV program that is now growing all across the United States of America as well. And, Dr. Jimmy, I want to say this. You are one of our favorite guests on our radio program. Every time we have you on, we get excellent response from our listening audience. So thank you for your contribution to what we're doing. Well, that's an honor to be a part of that team. And uh, Dave, on the daily broadcast and on the TV and really involved, and as it relates to the American Pastors Network, Dave is the president for the North Carolina chapter. By the way, if somebody wanted to find out if a pastor was listening, wanted to see how they could get involved, how would they do that? The best way to do that, Dr. Jimmy, would be to go to our website, which is simply standinthegapradio.com. Now, when they go to that website, again, standinthegapradio.com, that will take them to the homepage of the American Pastors Network. They can follow all the prompts from there and get in contact with us, and then we, in turn, will get back in contact with them. Dave, I introduced our conversation together talking about Pastor Andrew Brunson, who was in jail there in Turkey for two years 
They're imprisoned, I guess, basically, by the command of Tayyip Erdogan, who is the president of that country. And I know your North Carolina senator, who you're good friends with, played a key role. How did they actually get him out of that imprisonment there in Turkey? Well, you know, I don't know all the specifics, Dr. Jimmy, but the senator you're talking about is Senator Tom Tillis. And Senator Tillis really did uh, yeoman's work with respect to applying pressure appropriately and working diligently to uh, get Pastor Brunson out. So it was uh, a wonderful thing. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, the Christian community in North Carolina has a whole new level of respect for Senator Tom Tillis for his incredible work on behalf of Pastor Brunson and really uh, persecuted Christians around the world. Yes, and that is a story that is not covered by the media. So I'm able to do that with you, and I'm very excited about that. What was the accusation? Why did they imprison Pastor Brunson anyway? Well, some of the accusations, as I understand it, uh, Dr. Jimmy, was that he was some type of a spy and working in collusion with those entities that would be uh, in opposition to the leadership in Turkey. All of that, of course, that was leveled against him was totally, totally false. This man has a stellar reputation both in the state of North Carolina with respect to those other ministries around the world that have interacted with him and ministers that have interacted with him. And I have not met uh, Pastor Brunson myself personally, but my son has met with him on a number of occasions, had lunch with him. He is a man of impeccable integrity, and so all of that was known to our state Senator Tom Tillerson, so he was willing to put his neck out there, so to speak, to try to seek his release, and thankfully... Thankfully, he was able to procure that. And you know, when you're in jail for a two-year period of time, especially in the area of the Middle East and in Turkey, you're pretty much in isolation. But I understand, and I read a recent article uh, that told everybody who read it that, uh, in fact, Pastor Brunson, when he returned to the United States, saw things differently than when he left and he said we're on the edge of great persecution. And I'm thinking he's talking about the Christian community. Can you give us some details on that? You know, Dr. Jimmy, for him to be incarcerated, the amount of time he was was tragic, but it was somewhat brief. For him to come back to the United States after being incarcerated only briefly and see the dramatic downturn in the United States and what he, as a little bit more objective observer, uh, observer determined is going to be pending persecution, and I do believe he was referencing against the Christian Church. That All of that is a stunning, stunning statement. Now, I do believe he's correct, Dr. Jimmy. I think what we're watching right now is the forces of evil literally unleashing at every turn against anything remotely close to truth, and certainly against God's truth. Now, while I'm saying that, I want, I want to quickly say this, Dr. Jimmy, and I think you'll understand, because we've talked about this a lot. Uh, you've been in D.C., you know this. But right now, we have one of the most faith-friendly administrations we have ever had. Uh, obviously, our president will sometimes say things that, as Michelle Bachman said on a radio program recently, that are dishonoring. But in his actions, he is phenomenally supportive of Christian faith, of religious liberty, of the persecuted Christians around the globe. Uh, he has members of his cabinet that are aggressively trying to seek the release of persecuted Christians, as well as lighten their load and um, try to release them from what they're having to endure. So incredibly faith-friendly and an open door in Washington, D.C., the likes of which I've never seen in the 20 years that I've been ministering in that city. But what we're watching is a kickback from the forces of evil because they see a lot of things being threatened. So Pastor Brunson is right. 
he's very much correct. We're on the verge of a lot of persecution. But we have a brief window right now that we need to seize and utilize with everything we've got. Ah, preach it, buddy, preach it. <laughs> you can tell uh, that Dave Kessler is an evangelist. That's the reason I really wanted to have him on the air, his excitement about his ministries and uh, what's going on. Now, folks, if you're listening to this, we're not talking about the tribulation period, the persecution that will happen during that time, because Christians at the rapture of the church will be taken out before that seven-year period starts. So we're not talking about that persecution, but leading up to it, a precursor to the tribulation is going to be that. Dave, would you agree? And in fact, it's important who we do have as the elected officials over us, because it's going to be mainly government and the media today who are going to present the persecution before the tribulation period, especially for the Christian community. Dr. Jimmy, I don't think you could have said it any more poignantly or any more powerfully. You were 100% correct. So who we elect to high office is absolutely essential. You know, the Scripture says this, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. And if we do not, especially in these upcoming 2020 elections, if we don't put into office people that are, are at least, at the very least, friendly toward faith, then the consequences of these elections are going to be really catastrophic to our opportunity to share our faith, live our faith, declare the gospel, not only here but literally around the globe. And again, I want to underscore this, Dr. Jimmy. I know our president is an imperfect man. I'm not glossing over any of his past or any of the statements that he made or or has made or even his incessant tweeting, which could be done less. (laughs) But the bottom line is this. In his actions, and this is what Michelle Bachman said, in his actions, especially with respect to Israel, he is the most biblical president that we have ever had in our lifetime. And we're talking again about his actions, and very specifically with respect to Israel. So all of those things, the cabinet he surrounded himself with, the people there that are assisting him, many of them are committed believers. We know many of them. Dr. Jimmy, I was just in the a White House in the Vice President's office about three weeks ago. It was an incredible, incredible opportunity. I wish I had more time to share about it. But I'm telling you, we've got friends to faith in the White House right now. My prayer that the American people take that into consideration as they go to the ballot box. You know, I have the privilege and opportunity of joining with Dave on Stand in the Gap Radio every other Wednesday. This upcoming Wednesday, I will be as a guest on the program with them. They even get crazy sometime, and when they can't make uh, the radio program, they ask me to host the program, but uh, I'm honored to be involved with them. Dave, we want to be praying for you. Hope to the Hill Ministry and, of course, the American Pastors Network And I guess next time I see you, it'll be on the radio, buddy. Thank you so much. Yes, it will, Dr. Jimmy. Love you, my friend. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Keep up the great work. I've got to say, Dave Kessler is some kind of an exciting guy. You should hear him preach. Uh, Do remember the Pastors Network, American Pastors Network, and Hope to the Hill ministry of Dave Kessler. John Root is the man who covers the European Union for us. Now, this is a key region of the world. We need to stay on top of what politically is happening there because that all is setting the stage for the prophetic to be fulfilled. John lived in Brussels, Belgium for over 30 years, so he knows the European Union just very well, probably better than anybody I know of. And uh, he is also a preacher and teacher of Bible prophecy as well. John, I understand that uh, you're going to be in Santa Fe, New Mexico this weekend. 
Yes, that's right. In fact, next three weekends, all meetings in New Mexico, and we'll be giving some prophecy update as well. Well, praise the Lord. Those people should be excited about having you come. We'll be praying for you there. John, let's uh, get to our European Union update that you give us on a weekly basis. Looks like, and I'm just getting the first blushes of what's going on, but looks like the new Prime Minister of Great Britain, uh, Boris Johnson, is reviving Britain's standing in the world stage. Is that pretty much a good evaluation? I think that's a good way to uh, look at some of the changes. The new Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, he has a real determination, and Britain is certainly in need of an elevated status. The previous Prime Minister, Theresa May, she had pretty much chilled towards the United States. You know, we had the failed handling of Brexit. EU ended up dictating all the terms for withdrawal. There's declined U.S. assistance to uh, protect the shipping in the, in the Gulf. And then, of course, the uh, U.K. ambassador in Washington was dismissed after uh, very negative comments that were leaked. So we are expecting a closer relationship between the United Kingdom and the USA now. And Boris Johnson has seemed to be filling in a positive way some of the cabinet appointees and so forth. And so there's going to be, even though it's all conservative party before and after, there seems to be quite a contrast to, to move forward on the world stage. Well, you know, I understand that uh, our Secretary of State is traveling the world trying to put together a coalition to defend the rest of the world from the threat from Iran and their nuclear capabilities, which seems to be very close at hand, and with a focus on the Persian Gulf. Now, the United Kingdom could play a key role, the leading role in that coalition, could it not there in the Persian Gulf because of their problems as well? Yes, the European Union had tried to step up saying there would be some type of EU force, but that usually fizzes pretty fast. So now the U.K. is in a position to have a leading role in a coalition internationally. And uh, as you said, the United Kingdom, the USA, military officers from two dozen countries are meeting in Bahrain to have a international effort that will keep the shipping continuing in the Gulf and particularly straight to Hormuz. So it's been already since July 19th that the United Kingdom tanker has been detained in Iran. So uh, UK is definitely stepping up to the plate in this area. Well, let's advance now from the UK because they're wanting to get out. And Boris Johnson said, October the 31st, we're out of here. Good deal, bad deal, no deal, whatever. And then we have to look at the European Union, and it looks like that really the European Union is the only ones that can ease the U.S.-Iranian tensions. Is that pretty much on target? Well, if the EU is the only one that can ease the tensions, then we're in for some trouble. Uh, they, they have not been very effective, and they've been a sideline player, or even, even more specifically, let's say a sidestepping player. Of course, they have introduced uh, systems to run finances that would evade the U.S. sanctions. EU is do make a stand that they want to make sure that an escalation is avoided. They can have a role there, but they will not be able to step out in a neutral form to work out solutions. So 
the fact that the EU is being seen as one of the players that actually can input into the situation, this shows that we we live in a troubled world. Well, indeed, that's going to be the case. In fact, is it not when we talk about, and we'll slip into prophecy just a bit here, we talk about the ten toes there in Daniel uh, chapter 2 on the statue of the man which represents the Gentile world powers, those ten toes representing what you and I refer to as the revived Roman Empire. They're going to be made of clay and metal, which doesn't come together, and so there's going to be confusion. Is that not correct? Absolutely, absolutely. And we do see an escalation. The eyes are turning towards the Middle East, and we, we certainly want to monitor the positioning and the relationship between the European Union and the Middle East, because we know that the eventual Antichrist uh, Ten-Nation Confederation will have those strong ties. And so we do indeed see those particular things lining up. Well, talk to me about uh, Johnson's recent appointment now that he is Prime Minister, circling back to the United Kingdom of a controversial pro-Iranian defense secretary, or whatever they call them over there. Uh, What about that appointment? Is that lining up more with Iran, or is it going to be good for what's happening in that part of the world? Boris Johnson is perceived as being a friend of Israel. There have been 17 cabinet ministers fired or uh, resigned, and so he's filling in all those positions. The defense secretary, as you mentioned, is Ben Wallace. He has visited Iran more than any other member of parliament. But the visit in 2015 was with Jeremy Corbyn, who we know, of course, has uh, very anti-Israeli views in history and has even met with terrorist groups. He's right now the uh, opposition U.K. uh, Labor Party leader. And so Ben Wallace has had, and at that time, did make some positive comments concerning Jeremy Corbyn. Considering he's the opposition now, I would trust that that will not be the case now. But there is a history, and it would be warranted if he would come up if this became common knowledge, because sometimes we really discuss things that are behind the scenes here together. But uh, we would certainly hope, therefore, that Mr. Wallace would distance himself from any approval of Jeremy Corbyn in the past, and especially in Middle Eastern policy. Well, we'll stay on top of that story with John Root. He's the man that covers the European Union for us. And if you've been listening the last couple of minutes, you can tell he knows what's happening there and gives us great insight. John, thank you so much, my good friend. As always, we'll talk again next week. Thank you very much. Very interesting report from John Root. He's a key member of our broadcast team, keeping us informed of what the European Union is doing as they seemingly move along a pathway that's going to allow them to become the revived Roman Empire. Well, here's another key member of our broadcast team, Don DeYoung. Dr. Don DeYoung is head of the science department there at Grace College in Winona Lake, Indiana. Written a book, an excellent book on astronomy. I use it almost on a daily basis, and I walk a lot at night. I've said this before, looking up at the moon. And a new article came out about the moon that I needed to be able to call Don and ask him about. So when we were talking, uh, you know, when I talked to him through the week, 
I said, hey, Don, why don't we give a moon IQ test, and then I'll get into a couple of questions from the prophetic word of God in the book of Revelation. So, Don, thank you for joining us, my good friend. Sure, Jimmy. Glad to join you. Now, here's what I'd like to do. Let me mention a type of moon, and then you give us a concise but short answer, if you will, and then I'll go through that, and then we'll talk about the biblical information that it gives us about the moon. Does that work for you? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, how about uh, the new moon? What does that mean? Well, we have a new moon about every uh, 29 and a half days when the moon roughly moves between us and the sun. At that time, the opposite side is lit up. We don't see the moon. It might be called a really a, a no moon. It's the one night of the month when the moon is not visible. Okay. Then what's a full moon? Well, the full moon, uh, again, happens about once a month when um, the moon is, the side that's lit up is fully um, viewed by us. That's an interesting uh, phase. Uh, when there's a full moon, it rises at about sunset. It's up all night long and sets in the morning. So again, it's a, it's a monthly phase as the moon uh, circles the Earth. Now, we see the moon sometimes, I do at least, a, a kind of a, a, a really slight sight of it in the daytime. Is that a part of the full moon? Well, the moon's actually visible half the time in the daylight. Oh. Uh, the moon roughly rises about uh, an hour later um, each, each night. And so uh, as that cycles through, sometimes in the evening, sometimes in the day, uh, when you see it in the daytime, it's going to be, you know, one of um, the, the crescent phases that it has. Again, as the moon circles the Earth, it's roughly a month, just a little bit less than that, going from new moon to uh, first quarter to full moon to third quarter, and then back to new moon again, kind of mm. a faithful cycle that it moves through. And it's absolute. That what is what excites me about the moon. Well, Don, as a Bible prophecy teacher and a, a man who has a radio broadcast focused on Bible prophecy, I talk about a blood moon. Now, what is that all about? Uh, yes, a blood moon is when the moon gets eclipsed, when it actually moves through the Earth's shadow. It, it actually turns kind of a brownish-orange color. Uh, this happens once or twice a year. It's not all that unusual, so it's an eclipse of the moon. It happens when the moon is full. Now, there's a blood moon. What about the blue moon? Like, uh, you know, sometimes you say, once in a blue moon, what is that talking about? Well, uh, usually we get one full moon during a, a, a month on the calendar. When there are two in the same month, let's say one toward the beginning of the month and one toward the end, that second one is called a blue moon. It's a, it's a full moon, uh, not all that unusual. Uh, that happens uh, probably every couple of years where we get two full moons in a month. And why it's called a blue moon is unknown uh, who came up with that uh, name, because it's a typical full moon with its uh, you know, yellowish color. Uh, well, we'll continue to use that terminology. I love the blue moon and some great songs written about it. Well, why I started all of this, why I wanted to do the moon IQ tests for all of our listeners is because I read in the internet media of a black moon. I'd never heard of a black moon. What is that? And by the way, it's traditionally linked to the end times. So explain the black moon. Well, yes, a black moon, that's kind of a more recent name that someone has coined, and really it just fits a, a new moon, uh, a moon which is actually invisible, and it happens 12 or 13 times a year. 
The only time when it would be black is when uh, uh, there's a total eclipse of the sun, when a moon moves in front of the sun, and then you can see the, the, the jet black appearance of the moon, but that's, that's quite rare. So uh, if, a, if, if, if the black moon just applies to a new moon, it happens every month. <laughs> well, they're going to come up with another name, I'm sure, in the future, and I'll have to go to you for the answer. Well, I, I said at the beginning we wanted to give the moon IQ test, but now I want to talk about the Word of God and the prophetic Word of God. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 12 says that uh, the sun will go black as sackcloth and ashes, and the moon will turn to blood. And then it also, in chapter 8 and verse 12, says that the sun, the moon, and the stars will be smitten by one-third and have less light to produce for this entire universe we're living in today. Is that a supernatural event, or can it be explained through science? Well, yes. When the uh, moon turns to a blood color and the stars fall, uh, this is certainly end-time events, and I would take that as supernatural you know, one might say, well, a blood-red moon, that sounds like an eclipse, but I'm sure that uh, God has his own ways, and he's not limited by eclipses of the moon. I think it'll be entirely um, supernatural, uh, unpredictable, and uh, very fearful to people who don't understand um, God's plan. Yes, and they need to be prepared for the time coming up, this tribulation period. Chapter 6 and chapter 8 of Revelation happens after chapter 4 where we see the rapture of the church and then the 16 chapters that give detailed information about that seven-year tribulation period. That's when the moon will turn to blood and one-third of the moon will be smitten of his light. It's always a great joy to be able to talk with you, Don, and thank you again for your book, and I so appreciate your study and your help for us right here on the broadcast. Appreciate it. We'll talk again, I hope, real soon. Glad to join you, Jimmy. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I've got one more broadcast partner. That's David James. You don't want to miss that conversation about a man who says he's no longer a Christian. Is that possible? It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hi everybody, Jimmy DeYoung. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. We move into our last half hour. So glad you could stay with us this long. David James is going to have a conversation with me in a moment. We're going to be talking about a man who supposedly said he is no longer a Christian. Is that biblically possible? We'll get into that discussion with David James, so keep the dial right where it is. I'm so glad you could stay with us and hear these broadcast partners give us information that will help us understand the times in which we're living. And by the way, after the broadcast, please go to my website, answer our poll question. That's prophecytoday.com. Here's the question. The imprisoned American missionary, Andrew Brunson, recently released has returned to America and now is warning Americans that they will face persecution in the near future. Not the persecution of the tribulation period, but a precursor to the tribulation. And it will come from the government and the media. Do you think Pastor Brunson could be correct? That's the poll question. Answer it at prophecytoday.com. 
We now bring to these microphones David James. It's that time of the week for a conversation that David and I have each and every week. We focus on an issue that would be very important for the body of Christ to understand from a biblical perspective. We're going to do that this week as well. And I'm so glad that you could come along and join us to eavesdrop on the conversation. This week, David and I are going to be discussing a topic that has caused quite a stir in the Christian community, and that is the recent announcement by a pastor and author, Josh Harris, that he is no longer considering himself to be a Christian. David, update us on what has been going on. Sure, Jimmy, and you're exactly right about the incredible stir uh, that it's caused. I've read a lot of articles that have come out this week since it has been all over the news, and at least on the Internet. Plus, I've spent many hours interacting on a Facebook discussion group about this. So Josh Harris, who is the author of the well-known book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, announced a couple of weeks ago that he is divorcing his wife and that he no longer agrees with what he wrote in that book. And he has also publicly apologized to the LGBT community for his stand on sexuality, and he announced, as you said, that he is no longer a Christian. On Instagram, Harris wrote this. He said, My heart is full of gratitude. I wish you could see all the messages people sent me after the announcement of my divorce. They are expressions of love, though they are saddened or even strongly disapprove of the decision. Then he went on to say this. The information that was left out of our announcement is that I have undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. By all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I'm not a Christian. So to be honest, it's somewhat heartbreaking to see the response of so many people to this announcement. I was following some of what he said, and then the follow-up on Instagram. One person responded to Harris on Instagram by saying, this breaks my heart for you, for Shannon, and that would be his wife, your kids, your parents, your church, and your friends. I remember hearing you speak at a homeschool conference at the Disneyland Hotel when I was in high school and was so encouraged to hear someone young holding up high Christian morals, praying that God grabs hold of you again one day. Wow, that's uh, very sad. And I have to admit, David, I've never heard of Josh Harris. I guess I've been hidden from some people and what's going on in the Christian world. I didn't hear of him until you brought up this situation, brought it to my attention And I I would probably think that I may not be alone, so maybe it would be helpful for our listeners to know a little bit more about him. Would you help us out there, please? Sure. Josh Harris is 45 years old and is a best-selling author as well as a former pastor, and he's most well-known for that book I mentioned a, a few moments ago, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, which was published in 1997 and has sold nearly a million copies. And some have credited that book with shaping what is called the purity culture among Christian millennials. He's the oldest of seven children, and his parents are considered pioneers in the homeschooling movement, and I think that probably led to some of his thinking concerning dating. Now, in the same year that his book was published, he moved to Gaithersburg, Maryland, to be a pastoral intern at Covenant Life Church, which is a charismatic Calvinist megachurch of around 3,000 members. 
Then Harris became the lead pastor of that church in 2004 and held that position until 2015 when he resigned to pursue a seminary education at Regent University. Uh, I was looking at a 2015 Washington Post article, and it was reported that in a sermon related to his departure from Covenant Life, he said that the isolation of that church and of a small cluster of churches of which it is a part may have fed leadership mistakes, including the decision of pastors himself among them to handle a child sexual abuse case internally instead of going to the police. So I would suggest that perhaps, and I wonder if this all may have contributed to Harris's disillusionment with Christianity. David, have you ever read his uh, first book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye? I know you've at least become somewhat familiar with it. So how would you evaluate it based on what you know? Well, actually, in preparation for our discussion today, I did go through the whole book yesterday. I, I didn't read every single word, but it's it, because it's about 250 pages. I skimmed over a few parts here and there, but I did read it carefully enough to clearly understand uh, really every single point he made. Uh, First, I would say I didn't find a single thing wrong. No observation, no conclusions. His biblical perspective was right. His opinions were right. Uh, I couldn't find any fault with them. In fact, I had come to many of those same conclusions myself years ago, and, and my wife and I have taught many of these same things as part of a Christian family course for many years in Hungary, having never read his book. Another thing I observed was that uh, the writing was at such a high level of thought, expression, and maturity. I-, I thought several times as I was reading it that this was just not the work of a 21-year-old alone, which he was 21 years old at the time that the book was published. So either he was brilliant and wise far beyond his years, or he had a great editor, or someone much older helped him write, or maybe all three are true. But my sense was that he was trying to be thoroughly biblical with his views, and that he was completely sincere as a born-again believer in Christ. Now, I don't know if he's a born-again believer or not, but that was the sense that I got. I never sensed he was being a faker, that he didn't really believe that everything he was saying uh, was really true and biblical. And, And at several points, he mentioned key aspects of the gospel, for example, concerning the person and work of Christ, and it certainly seemed to me that these were personal beliefs and convictions. Now, there have been many critics of his book, even some I've, I've interacted with Facebook, even as uh, late as yesterday, but I would say that anyone who says this book has damaged them, or they've been damaged by Harris's work, or who thinks their generation just doesn't buy into what he says, I would say that says far more about them and their lack of maturity and wisdom and experience in life than it does about Harris's book. So actually, I was fairly impressed with what he had to say. David, because of an article that you sent me, I'm aware that some people identify Harris as a five-point Calvinist, and that's the source of his spiritual problems. Have you encountered this more in your research, and what are your thoughts about this? Yeah, actually, I have. You know, you're right about this theory about what led to Harris's apostasy. I first came across 
uh, that theory in a Facebook post a few days ago that linked to an article on the Lighthouse Trails uh, website. Uh, and since then, I've also discussed it in another Facebook thread, and I was involved in that discussion some as well. You know, I think it's important to let our listeners know that neither you or I hold the five-point Calvinism, and we don't have time to get into what that is, and I would encourage our listeners to do some research on that theology so they know what we're talking about. But anyway, I had sent that Lighthouse Trails article to you and one of the other co-founders of the Alliance for Biblical Integrity, uh, my ministry, and he offered some cautions that I think really are legitimate. First, he he noted that the majority of full Calvinists have not abandoned the faith, while there are many non-Calvinists who have done so at some point in their life. So I think that's a legitimate point. Another thing he pointed out was that trying to lay everything at the feet of Calvinism really tends to diminish other factors that apparently led to this apostasy, which would include Harris's divorce. So Harris is already making sinful choices. And I would say this also leads to something else that I think needs to be considered, and that is that Harris completely reversed his stance towards same-sex relationships, and as I mentioned earlier, actually publicly apologized to the LGBT community Uh, You know, I don't want to speculate any further than that, but I have to wonder if there's another shoe that's uh, yet to drop. And I would also point out this, that he's been a part of the so-called Young, Restless, and Reform movement, which I would say has really been destructive within uh, Christianity in the last several years. You know, sometimes I get asked about whether I think such and such a person is really saved. I'm sure you probably run into that in your ministry, but uh, and if you do, how do you respond to that question? Well, you're right. I, I do run into this question a lot, and I've dealt with it a lot over the last few days concerning Harris himself. The fact is, we don't know everything that's going on deep in his heart. The fact that he's publicly recanted his faith and says he's no longer a Christian... I would say doesn't necessarily mean that he really has stopped believing. He could be using that as a cover for his sinful choices as it relates to his family, the Bible, and his ministry. We just don't know. But beyond that, I don't think it's our business to try to determine someone else's spiritual condition. You know, Jesus made this clear in the parable of the wheat and tares, that there's a temptation that we have to try to figure out who is saved and who isn't, when a lot of believers do act like unbelievers, and many unbelievers actually act like believers and sometimes act more Christian than some who are really born again. And so I would say the bottom line is this. If there was ever a time in Josh Harris's or anyone else's life when they understood and believed the gospel, then they are saved and they're saved eternally. If someone has never understood and believed the gospel, then they aren't saved and they will be eternally lost. That's the bottom line and that's the answer that I always give. Well, let's then uh, conclude our conversation with a couple of practical implications of this. I would say that there are at least two main things at stake here, as I've been listening to you and reading what I've already read. Unbelievers who are self-deceived into thinking they're born again. And then the other side would be the eternal security of those who really are born again. Talk to us about these two different avenues. Well, 
I agree with you. I think the issue of many unbelievers being deceived into thinking they are saved is a huge problem. You have Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, and liberal Protestantism, and even many in the extreme charismatic movement who make up well over a billion people in the world. And while I wouldn't say that everyone in these groups is lost, it is true in those groups. Most have not heard, understood, or believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if that doesn't happen, I would say that biblically it's impossible for them to be saved. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said concerning the Judgment Day, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. But to the other point that you brought up, uh, on the other hand, for those who have heard, understood, and believed the gospel, I believe the Bible teaches that they are eternally secure in Christ and can't lose their salvation. First of all, in Romans 8.30, the Apostle Paul wrote that those that God has justified, he also glorified, using what I call a prophetic past as a literary device, which means that Paul speaks of a future event, which is glorification, in the past tense, because of its certainty. In Ephesians 1.13, Paul says we're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption. And I would also say that believers are in an unconditional covenant relationship with God because of the spiritual benefits of the new covenant. And so since failure can't remove Israel from the promises that God made to her, neither can failure remove us from our relationship with him. You know, I believe this conversation was very key because understanding that I didn't know anything about him, but many have heard about Josh Harris. With him saying he's no longer a Christian, it may cause some real thought-provoking ideas to come into the heads of those who may have had this kind of a concern before, so it was great that we had the conversation. David, thank you for your research, and we'll have another conversation next week. Thanks so much, Jimmy. Always great to be with you. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to open the Bible right here in front of me, and then I'm going to take all the conversations we've had and give you a prophetic perspective on all of these issues. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hey everyone, this is Dave James with the Alliance for Biblical Integrity. You hear me each week discussing current theological issues with Jimmy DeYoung on the Prophecy Today weekend broadcast. We founded the Alliance for Biblical Integrity because we saw a need for an apologetics and discernment ministry that would be an important resource for local churches, schools, and ministry organizations that face ever-changing theological challenges in today's world. I teach many different courses and seminars in the United States and around the world and can tailor the seminars for Sunday schools, Bible studies, and church services, and the courses for weekend conferences of 6 to 10 hours. For more information, you can go to the ABI website at biblicalintegrity.org. That's one word, biblicalintegrity.org, and click on Courses and Seminars on the main menu. You can also contact me personally through the contact page on the ABI website. I look forward to hearing from you. Have you always wanted to visit the land of Israel? Imagine what it would be like to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. With Joshua Travel, you can visit Israel past, present, and prophetic. The Bible will come alive as you see places like the shepherd's field where our Lord was born, Caesarea Philippi, Cana of Galilee, 
Capernaum, the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Garden Tomb. You'll even experience an exciting boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time to not just visit the sites, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and to our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and the place from where Jesus will rule and reign one day. Call Joshua Travel today at 423-821-3635 to find out more about this trip of a lifetime, or you can visit us online at joshuatravel.com. It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. We've heard our broadcast partners with some very interesting reports And we now want to look at them more in depth and from a prophetic perspective. They've covered a number of issues that may not have been familiar to you, but our broadcast partners dig into the information to give us these important reports so that we can really understand that we are living in urgent times. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ at the rapture of the church According to what we're going to tell you about on this portion of Prophecy Today, we'll help you to understand it could happen at any moment. We have broadcast partners all over the world, and we record the conversations with them. Hope you were able to hear all of them. If you missed any of them, we have a way for you to go back and listen to each and every one again or for the very first time. Go to my website, prophecytoday.com, then go to Prophecy Today Radio Network. That's PTRN. There you can listen because we've archived all of these conversations. That again is prophecytoday.com. Then go to Prophecy Today Radio Network and you can listen. And do me a favor, please tell a friend about these reports. This will help your friend to understand where we are in God's plan for the end times, the days in which we are living. Now let me go over and rehearse for you what our broadcast partners had to say, and then I will give you a prophetic perspective on these different reports. Ken Timmerman looks at geopolitical activities for us, and he came with the first headline, The Palestinians are a greater threat to Israel than the Iranians. Someone may say, well, that doesn't sound possible. Iran is a major threat to the entire world. But we're talking about the state of Israel. And let me tell you what the author of this article had to say. First of all, the demographics. There are more Palestinians in the Middle East and actually in the world than there are Jewish people. So the demographics, if they were to have a one-state solution, the Palestinians would ultimately outgrow the Jewish people in Israel, and they would take over then in this democratic society. And then there would be the political violence that is taking place. Fatah heads up the Palestinian Authority. That's a political operation in the body politic of the Palestinian people, and they continually promote violence. And finally, the authors said that the reason the Palestinians are a greater threat to Israel than Iran is because of the proximity of the Palestinians. 
You have in the Gaza Strip, Hamas, and then the center part of the state there, Ramallah, you have Fatah, these two aspects of the body politic of the Palestinian people. And they are not only at the outside border of Israel, but they're in the heart of the Jewish state there in Ramallah. This gives them a opportunity to go after the Jewish people and destroy them. David Dolan gave us a Middle East news update, and he talked about the president of Turkey, Tayyip Erdogan. He says, whoever is on Israel's side, we're against. Well, Turkey's been saying that for a number of years, and you know where Turkey's located in Bible prophecy, do you not? That's Ezekiel chapter 38, verses 2 and 6, where it mentions Meshach, Tubal, Gomer, and Tagarma. Erdogan has ambition to be the caliph and the ultimate leader of the Islamic world over a caliphate throughout the entire world. They are now teaming up with Russia. They are part of that coalition of nations in Ezekiel 38, and indeed they are being armed by Russia in order to be able to go after the Jewish state of Israel. Erdogan has done that for a number of years. He has gone after Israel and the prime minister, prime minister Netanyahu. And then Dave Kessler of the American Pastors Network came to join us. He also has a ministry in Washington, D.C. It's called Hope to the Hill. He and his son and their team working among the elected officials and the appointed officials there in Washington, D.C. We were talking about the American missionary that was imprisoned in Turkey for two years and has recently been released. Andrew Brunson is his name. And when he came back to America, he saw the changes. He said, American Christians should better be ready for persecution. He said the persecution is a precursor. It's not the tribulation period because the Bible in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10 says, I will keep you from that hour of temptation. Not take you out of, but keep you from going into the tribulation period. John Rood gave us a European Union update, and we talked about the idea that the European Union can ease tensions between the United States and Iran. Well, that may not be the case today, but ultimately, when you look at Bible prophecy, that would seem to be the case, and let me tell you why. The European Union will be the revived Roman Empire. That's Daniel chapter 7 and verses 7 and 8. And then Iran, Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 5, known as Persia, will be a part of that alignment of nations, the European Union, and the Russian-led alignment of nations who are going to try to destroy the Jewish state of Israel, the two major powers in the end times, and the European Union, revived Roman Empire, in other words, will do what they can to shut down the alignment of nations. And you remember the United States is not mentioned in Bible prophecy. And then Dr. Don DeYoung came to talk about the moon. There's a black moon. That's another type of moon. You know the blood moon. That's when the moon seems to go red. That would be the blood moon. The blue moon is when there are two full moons in one month, you know, once in a blue moon. And the black moon is when the beginning of the moon's cycle, 29 days in each month, comes into existence. Many have talked about the fact that would have a relationship with the end times. 
But when it talks about the moon in the end times, you go to Revelation chapter 6 when it is the blood moon, and Revelation chapter 8 and verse 12, talking about one-third of the moon being smitten, so there's not that much light in the world. Well, that's what Don DeYoung had to say about the moon, and all of our broadcast partners brought great information to the table to help us understand all of this evidence is of the end times coming to a climax. In fact, the next event will be the rapture of the church, and then that tribulation period. By the way, the rapture could happen at any time. And having said that, nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today. 